And if you would have said, you know, we would still be at the end of 2017 in a search uh, for a worship pastor, I would have been like, what? Um, and this morning, I think it's, uh, it's one of these times where I do feel like God is saying, stop. And uh, when you see this uh, play out in the Old Testament, there were the rhythms and moments where God called his people to say, wait a minute, just stop and reflect. And, uh, and, and look at all that I have done. And so that's what this morning is about. If you read through the Psalms, there's a, a word in Hebrew called selah. And you'll see it throughout the Psalms. You see it with the Psalms of praise, and you see it in the Psalms of lament, and you see it in the Psalms of thanksgiving. There's these moments where you see this little selah. It's, it means stop, pause, consider, reflect. So don't blow through this is what God is saying. Stop. Think about this. And that's what this morning is going to be, hopefully, before we start moving forward, which we are going to move forward relatively quickly. Um, we'll get this in a second here. Christian bubbly. Um, I want to read to you a passage, First uh, Peter chapter 5. Um, if you want to turn there in your Bibles, First Peter chapter 5, you can turn on your phone or whatever, look in your Bibles. Chapter 5, verse 1. It's towards the end of your Bible. Uh, go to Revelation and then back to the left a, a few pages and you'll find 1 Peter. It says this in verse 1, To the elders among you I appeal as a fellow elder, a witness of Christ's sufferings, and one who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you are willing as God wants you to be, not greedy for money, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. This word elders is, is plural, and you'll find that most of the time in the New Testament, you run into this word elder, it's plural, acts, multiple times says elders. James writes to the church and says, hey, if you have something, a prayer request, you want healing, call the elders. Paul wrote to Timothy and said, hey, this is the definition of, of elders, plural, and goes on to give the qualifications to him. He wrote to Titus, Paul did. He wrote to Titus, who had just started a church, and he wrote to Titus, and he said this in chapter 1. He said, the reason I left you in Crete was that you might put in order what was left unfinished and appoint elders, plural, in every town. Elders are the, the leaders of the church. It says here they're the shepherds of the flock. They're overseers. They're eager to serve. They're examples to the flock of what it means to follow Christ. And, and the reason I, I'm talking about elders, uh, actually, as you go through, the, it's plural, and I think that there's a big deal about being plural, because if you read just the whole counsel of Scripture, you see in Proverbs multiple times where God says there is wisdom in multiple counselors. 
So there's this idea of, look, if you want wisdom, get a plurality, right, of wise people, godly people in the room and talk to them or in your life and seek their counsel. There's something about having a plurality, right, multiple ones when it comes to even in leadership because it dispenses glory and praise so that it isn't about one person. It is really effectively about God's leadership through the collective team. And no one's lifted higher than the others. There, there's something to this idea of the plurality of elders has a better chance of keeping. If, if the church is really careful about who gets in that position and vigilant about making sure that it is godly men who know the word, it does protect the church and keep the church on point, focused on the mission, understanding doctrine. And this came, uh, you know, in my ministry, it came in, into effect here a long time ago where there was false teaching and it was the team of elders that won the day. Once we started to figure out what was going on, you, you need that. And so as I talk about that, I, I want to, as we look back over these last 18 months, a, a huge piece uh, to this morning's message, there's a lot of pieces that are surrounding this, but the one I want to focus in on is just what has happened here in terms of the leadership and the elders and the challenges uh, they've, they've faced. There's a, there's a passion, a vision, a drive that I've that I've had, and I don't know where all it started. I think it started maybe over the dinner table talking about church and leadership and what good leadership looks like and bad leadership. And, and it was never, let's have a leadership lesson. It was just normal conversations. And then over the years, just progressing and being in and out of churches and, and watching this, there's just this, um, I, I, it's hard to explain, but this drive, this vision to see and be a part of a church that is famous for raising up godly men and godly women to lead the church. There's a lot of leadership in a church that has to happen, and it needs women, and it needs men. And, and that's a drive I've always had, of what does it look like to call the leaders to lead at a high level and not leave women behind, not leave men behind. God gives equally is what he says in Galatians, equally. And then to this specific team of the elders, always having this, I've always had this vision of what would it be like to have a team that is godly, mature, and leads with excellence. And so these past 18 months has been... Uh, a challenge. Uh, we've gone uh, as a leadership team through a couple challenges. One the, uh, was this, uh, I would say, the challenge of waiting. We had to wait. Uh, September 2016 is when our waiting started. And in the beginning, it all seemed, you know, yeah, we understand. We got, let's not push forward here for a few months as we were just waiting to see how God was going to lead us, and, and we just felt like, just stop and pause. But then as 2016 ended, 2017 goes, and, and we just were like, Lord, what are you doing? What are you doing? And we just kept getting this, he's not doing anything. He's except calling us to wait. 
You know, waiting for a leader in this culture is not a good thing. This culture hates to wait. And any leader that is known for waiting six months, a year, longer, doesn't stay in their position very long because you need results, you need product, you need profits, you need everything. For example, Toronto cannot wait another year. They just fired their coach who won coach of the year. He just won coach of the year. All the other NBA coaches voted for who's the coach of the year. They picked him to win it, and he just got fired because he didn't produce, and they're tired of waiting. And they're going to wait a whole lot more. Go Cavs. But, but that's it, right? We can't wait any longer. Had the best record, coach of the year, they fired him. It's a challenge to wait, yet the Bible over and over again talks about this vision God has and these moments where he calls his people to wait. Psalms 5, actually you go through Psalms, it's all over. In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. I lay my crest before you and wait expectantly. Wait expectantly. Sometimes the best spiritual movement is just giving up in the morning and waiting again and saying, Lord, is it today? And so I talk about waiting because it wasn't a negative thing, but actually, I think, a very godly thing to wait on the Lord and his timing. One month six months, a year, another eight months on top of that. And then as the challenge goes of, of waiting, then transitions come, me now not preaching, me now leading worship. And, and that's a challenge that comes because we were waiting. The uncertainty that starts to grow as months go by of what are we waiting for? Those are all challenges. And I, I just want to stop and, and say, as we look back, the, the leadership refused to move until God said move. And they answered that call to wait. That was one of the challenges we saw over these past 18 months. The other one was when God was saying, hey, look, we got to make a switch here and how we're doing Sunday mornings back in mid-November where I was now going to stop preaching and just leading worship. And then the predominant number of Sundays that were preached over the last five and a half months, six months, was preached by our elder board. They're the ones following God, and then they said, okay, Lord, we'll, we'll fill the gap. And, and here's the other piece of this where I can't tell you how many times I heard from people saying, what kind of church has this depth of a roster of people who can preach like this? And it, over and over, and, and, and we didn't lose ground. It wasn't like we're like, I mean, these were, uh, these were strong, amazing messages. God was speaking and moving. And I'm hearing from you all. And there is, there is this sense that as, 
as the 18 months unfolded, I, I just looked back and I said, God, you've done it. You have done it, but you're doing it in a new way, in a fresh way. Not that he hasn't done it before, but I just say these last 18 months, we've just seen it roll out in a, in a different way, in a new way. And, and what I want to do now is just to give you an opportunity, because this hardly ever happens. I mean, they're not looking for glory. I mean, that's that whole passage. They're not, looking, they're not in this to get glory. They're in this to serve. But there's sometimes it's appropriate for the body to just recognize and to say thank you. So don't clap yet, but I'd like to invite the team to come up right now, if they could, the elders, if you all could come up. So this is uh, Norm Pond. I'll just introduce him because I know some of you are, are newer. Norm Pond, Jerry Hartzler, Todd Gilbreth. <laughs> I forgot his name in the first service. <laughs> I was like, I'm just getting so old. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Mike Stark, Bill Jeriga, Greg McCauley, and Brian Hogan. And uh, this is your team. I just invite you to show your appreciation for the leadership. Thank you. So there's another piece of this story, too. If, if you're talking about a church, let's say church is the coin, uh, to use just kind of a, a rough metaphor, uh, leadership is on one side of the coin. The other side of the coin is followership. The idea that people have to follow a leader. It takes two. And these past 18 months, we want to say, and I want to say on behalf of the elder board, thank you for how you have followed this has been an easy church to lead. And, and I, I say that because these 18 months created uncertainty, and there could have been a whole direction that could have gone out of this, of what's going on, and what are they doing, and why aren't we, and all the questions that can come up, and maybe you even asked some of them. Trust me, I was thinking some of them. And, but you guys followed well. And I heard stories of many of you getting up, and you were actually praying waiting expectantly in the morning, Lord, bring the guy, bring the worship pastor, please bring them. And so many of you were joining us in praying. And it's, it's not very often that a leadership can stand in front of a church and say this, but it needs to be said, way to go, way to follow well. And fighting for unity is what the word says. God says, fight for the unity that brings peace. Unity doesn't come easy. It just doesn't just happen. You have to fight through it. And it's not you have to fight other people. You really have to fight yourself. And, and those thoughts that would drag us away, that would lead us to, to rebel and lead us, you know, to resent. And there's stories in the Old Testament and, and in the New where God gets really ticked off when people rebel. Like ground opens up and people die and words like smite happen. And it's not a good thing right? But blessing, peace, honor come to those who follow in his name. And so the elders want to uh, show our gratitude to you this morning. And so, uh, Jerry, this is the Christian bubbly. Oh, I forgot to take the wrapper off. So just to show them it's actually sealed and fresh. 
So uh, just a second, let me put this down. So here's our thanks. That's as good as it gets right there. Uh, so let me say one other thing real quick as we're on this and transitions and things like this. Um, so this has happened a number of times here in the last three weeks um, since Jake has started to lead worship. And uh, I had, I've had people come up to me and go, wasn't that amazing? I mean, that was awesome. And he's so, I like you too. You're good. You're great. I mean, God used you. And there's that awkward moment, right? Where we're all like, I'm right here. Like, so let me just tell you and get this out of the way. Uh, I don't think there could be somebody even more excited than I am to have Jake here. I just want to say that. Look, I, I've been around long enough. God's gifted me to lead worship. I get that. But I've also been around long enough to see that God gifts others. And he's like really gifted Jake musically and spiritually to lead worship and and Satan in this world just says there's only so much love and affirmation to go around and so if somebody gets it that means somebody's losing it but that's not the kingdom of God the kingdom of God says when somebody wins we all win and when somebody is gifted, we can sit back and say, praise the Lord. And so I just want to let you know, come celebrate it with me. I'm all about it, man. I am all about it. I'm not going to be hurt one bit. Trust me. Um, I'm 47, and he's younger, and it's time to change. It's time to move forward. There's a new generation coming, and... He's going to be part of the, leading that newer generation, that younger generation forward. This is a really, really good thing. So I'm done with all that. All right. So uh, let me see here. One, one other thing. Um, no. I think that's it. Yeah. Good. Um, so now we're going to talk about going forward. And I, I want to also just real quick talk about just really quick where we are. So these last 18 months happened, right? And... and brought all that it did, and yet we didn't stop. The, the church and the ministry and what God was doing didn't stop. We kept going forward in the children's ministry and the youth ministry and, and the adult ministry. And, and there are things that happened these last 18 months. We still grew by over 10% last year, which is crazy. And as we're coming into this new year, we've had, you know, a number of people getting baptized. We got all kinds getting baptized here over the next three or three months. We have a whole group of people that want to get up here and say, I loved Christ. And want to thank him publicly for what he's done. Like, that, that's coming. We have 25 people right now that want to go through freshwater, what we call a steps of freedom. But it's just this, you know, kind of this life, take care of all the past, get healing, get free, and have nothing between me and Christ kind of process. We call it steps to freedom. We got 25. We've never had that many at once. And that's, the year's not done. And that doesn't even count all the people that have already gone through it. There's a, I'm just trying to say there's a spiritual hunger here. There's a spiritual momentum happening here where people want Christ. 
Uh, you look at the bulletin, it's not a misprint. We're actually ahead for the year, 17 grand. Like we're in the black, yeah. So, and money's not everything, and I hardly ever talk about it, but money is one, one of the barometers. Because if somebody starts loving Christ more than money, you know something's happening. Because it's such a powerful God in this world. And our budget increase was 12% for the year. Just saying. It's 12%, and we're ahead of budget. I mean, God will resource his vision. That's what we say all the time. If it's God's vision, he's going to pay for it because he really wants to get it done. And we're just seeing that across the board in our church. And so I, I want to say it's exciting to see how much God has been doing. And, and as we look forward, I want you to hear a story because this is what we see God doing still more of. And I would invite Norm, if you could come up here. Um, and I just asked Norm to kind of share a story here of what happened here in the past couple of weeks. Morning, Freshwater. So <clears throat> about six months ago, I was, uh, I was out for a run. I run uh, several times a week. Um, I've run competitively with a lot of you. Uh, I was out for a run, and uh, kind of midway through the run and towards the end, I noticed that I was out of breath, um, really like gasping for air. Now, I have, I've, I've lived and grown up with asthma, and this was something different. Um, Definitely different. I couldn't really tell what it was. It kind of scared me a little bit. Um, so I, I stopped running. Uh, and then over the next couple weeks, I found that I was really having to peel back my, my workouts, my runs, because as I'd get into it, I was gasping for air. I couldn't breathe. I had to stop. And it, it would take five minutes, ten minutes, a half hour before I really had air again. It was, it was getting scary. Um, so I started peeling those workouts back. Um, then I went to Disney with my family. We went to Disney, I don't know, February. And uh, I noticed that while I was there, I couldn't even walk with my girls around the park. I was out of air, couldn't breathe, couldn't figure out what was going on. It was scary. Um, had to constantly stop. Got back. A couple weeks later, I'm at work, and um, I noticed that I couldn't walk across our campus, building to building. Like going from here to the children's wing, I, I'd have to stop. Couldn't get there because I couldn't breathe. And it was happening over and over again. It was getting really scary. My family was getting scared. I was getting scared. I had this constant defeat. Every morning I, <clears throat> when I get into work, I open the door and I've got to go up three, just three flights of stairs, right? About 30 steps. And there's a platform between the two, between every level. And it got to the point uh, two months ago that... I had to plan about 10 minutes to get up three flights of steps. I go up 10 steps and I sit there on the platform, hope nobody came by that saw me and just sit there and wait because I, gasping, could not get air. Every morning looking at that. So I went to the doctors. So I went to my doctor, did some tests, went to another doctor because I didn't really find anything there and thought, well, they just don't know what's going on. Eventually got sent to specialists. I went to a cardiologist, had all kinds of testing done. Uh, went to a digestive specialist, had tests done. Um, biopsies taken, results there. Went to a pulmonary specialist um, just a couple weeks back. Every specialist, every doctor I went to, I got the same thing. We see the symptoms, we see what's going on, but uh, can't find a diagnosis. Don't know what's happening. And so that got really scary. 
right? Going to all these doctors, can't figure it out. <clears throat> then I decided that I was going to be the doctor, and I started Googling my symptoms. And that got really scary, right? <clears throat> Don't do that. Um, but then, <clears throat> so th this is all going on, and I've got another specialist appointment uh, Wednesday about two weeks ago. And that Sunday, uh, the elders, we had a meeting. Whenever there's a fifth Sunday in the month, we all get together as elders, and rather than do meetings and business, we just pray. We get together, and we just spend time in prayer. And so I, I sat down and I said, hey guys, this has been going on and uh, I'd like prayer for some clarity. I said, because I've been to all of these specialists and all of these doctors and all these appointments and it's getting worse and worse and worse. I'm, I'm like crippled by this thing. I can't do anything right now. And I, I need some answers. Like I need to know where to go next because it's really scary. And so we got into prayer and uh, they were praying, the elders were praying for me. We're praying, Jesus, you know, reveal to these doctors, give us a diagnosis, let us know what the next steps are, right? Give us some clarity. And as is not necessarily customary, Scott came in late um, to the meeting, and he heard us pray, and he said, hey, what's going on? I said, well, I said, you know, I walked him through what's happening. And as I'm walking through, one of the elders, uh, Mike Stark, said, you know what? He said, Jesus can heal and we believe Jesus heals. He said, so let's stop this praying for clarity and let's pray for healing right now. And I said, okay, let's do it, right? And so we started praying for healing of my breathing, praying for healing of that situation. And we're praying and praying and uh, we kind of stopped and said, Norm, you know, what's going on? What are you feeling? What are you hearing? I said, I'm not feeling anything different. I'm not, nothing's coming to me. I said, what, nothing? And I said, no. I said, I got just this faint little voice is coming to me that says, you got to let it go. And they're like, what is that? All right, I'm going to try not to cry, okay? Um, they said, well, what, is, what does that mean? What does let it go mean? I said, I don't know. I've been through six months of diagnosis and specialists trying to find out what I have to let go, and I don't know. I said, I don't know why I'm being asked that question, because I don't have an answer. And I said, so Scott said, he goes, you know what? God's clear. He's not vague. God can be clear. He can give answers. He's not going to leave questions. So, so we're going to pray right now that he tells you what that is. Okay. So we went into it and <clears throat> started praying, God, tell us what needs to be let go. And I started bawling. Um, I started crying. Uh, just couldn't control myself. And they stopped and they said, what's going on? And uh, I said, you know, um, I said, God's telling me that I'm not giving him control of my life. I said, uh, I said he, he's telling me that I'm not letting him have my family, or my job. I'm not letting him have my kids. I just have control of it all, and I'm not giving it to him. I said, that's really hard to hear. And I stopped, and Scott said, where do you think that comes from? And uh, I said, I don't know. I, I guess it's from when I was a kid. I grew up in a divorced family in my really a hard childhood. And I said, I had, from a very young age, I had to take care of my family and my, my sisters. I said... I, I had a picture of what it meant to be in control and out of control. And I had to be that one that was in control. I said, I guess I've just lived my entire life that way, having to be in control all the time. 
And we stopped, and Scott said, you know, I think we need to break free of that norm. He said, this is going to take a different turn. Are you okay with that? I said, yeah. And so we, we prayed. We left the breathing thing behind, and we started praying about this. And I had to give up to Jesus that he could have control. He could take control of everything. And I asked for forgiveness. <laughs> I asked to be forgiven of, of keeping that. And then I said that I accepted his forgiveness. I accepted that forgiveness that Jesus offers. And uh, it's funny, as soon as I said that, as soon as I accepted that forgiveness, the tears kind of stopped. I sat back in my seat, and I just had this smile. I had this smile. I called it, uh, I call it a, a smile cramp. I don't know if, if you guys have ever had a, you ever get a cramp like in your leg and your whole body contorts, right? Because you can't do anything until that cramp goes up. I had this smile that just was, I, my whole body felt it. And I just sat back. Tears were gone. I was just clear and, and free and, and just had this huge smile. And I, I bet we sat there for 10 minutes and just looked at each other. And I just was laughing and smiling. And I kind of had forgotten about the whole breathing thing because I had this smile that comes from forgiveness. That's it. And Mike looked at me and he goes, hey, uh, there's stairs right over there. He's like, you want to go take a walk? And I was like, oh, I had that breathing thing. I was like, sure, let's do it. So we walked over there and elder board got up, right? We're on a little trek over there. And, and I walk up the stairs and I didn't say anything. I looked at him and I walked down. And then I walked up, and I walked down, and I walked up, and I was, no problems. And I was like, wow. I got this big smile on my face, and, and that smile didn't leave the whole day. And then the next morning, I go to work, and I open the door, and there's three flights of steps. And I looked at those steps, and I went, nope. And I ran up the steps. Ran up the steps. I had no problems. I, I had no breathing problems. I had any issues. It's been two and a half weeks since then. I'm running. I'm putting in miles. I have no problems. I'm with my kids. No issues around the yard. I've been healed. And, uh, you know, I came in and I, I thought, when Scott said, can you share your story? I was like, yeah. I was excited I was going to share a story about healing. But I think here's, here's the bigger thing I want to tell you about. While I was healed, and Jesus does that, no matter what illness it is, whether it's mental or physical or whatever kind of healing, there's no healing that's greater or a greater thing than accepting the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. Forgiveness that he offers you can accept is greater than any healing out there, I'm just telling you right now. But what you should know, guys, is that if you're out there and you're, you're held down by not being forgiven, or you've got an illness, or you're feeling sick, or there's something holding you back, Jesus heals. The name of Jesus Christ is so powerful, and he can heal you. It's happening at this church, guys. And I would encourage you, if you need forgiveness, come ask for forgiveness. Come down and bow before the altar here. Bow before the name of Jesus Christ. Ask for healing. Don't be afraid. And then, just like I did, look at those steps. Run in his forgiveness. Thanks, guys.
So where is our church going? This way. That's where we have been, it's where we are, and it's where we're going to keep going. This direction of the power of the cross to forgive, the power of the cross to heal, restore. We're kind of a one-trick pony. That's us. The cross and the resurrection, Jesus Christ. And this song is a song that just talks about that. The first words Jesus spoke in his ministry was, I have come to heal, right? I have come to set free. I have come to proclaim good news. And this song that we're going to sing next is just a song that Christ has sung over us. It's a song that we now sing in his name. Uh, I'm going to come up after we sing this for a few moments. Let's just kind of sit here in this moment and thank God for what he's done in our lives.